Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Wednesday, July 23rd, and today we are reading in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter Working with Others, and we are at page 101 in the paragraph that starts in our belief. Today's readers are, and thank you very much for your service, Christy M., Chelsea H., Judy F., Janice M., and Diane G. The reference number for yesterday, Tuesday, July 22nd, is 7860. 7860. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Janice M. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Janice. Well, good morning to you, Amy, and everyone. My name is Janice M. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The 12 steps of OA. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Janice M. I will now ask for Diane G. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Diane. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. <clears throat> I'm from New Hampshire, recovered, not cured, compulsive reader. The 12 steps, the 12 traditions, excuse me. 
One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry this message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions of recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three, three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say the word time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter Working with Others on page 101 on the paragraph that starts In Our Belief. And I will ask for Chrissy M. to start us off. Go ahead, Chrissy. Yes, hi, good morning. Um, in our belief, any scheme of combating alcoholism which proposes to shield a sick man from temptation is doomed to failure. If the alcoholic tries to shield himself, he may succeed for a time, but he usually winds up with a big explosion, bigger explosion than ever. We have tried these methods. These attempts to do the impossible have always failed. So our rule is not to avoid a place where there is drinking. If we have a legitimate reason for being there, that includes bars, nightclubs, dances, receptions, weddings, even plain, ordinary whoopee parties. 
to a person who has had experience with an alcoholic, this may seem like tempting providence, but it isn't. Hi, I'm Chrissy. I'm recovered compulsive reader and anorexic from New Jersey. And I am just so grateful that I got to read the part that has the word whoopee in it because that's just the most archaic, funny word. And when I was 20 years old and getting sober in another program, when reading that word, I just thought, where the heck am I? Um, but on a serious note, I I can't help but think that what is the impossible? This is It says that this is the impossible. We're trying to fight the binge on our own unaided will. And we've, we've tried to do that in the past. That's not what AA is about. It's telling, it's telling um, whoever's reading this. It's not about white knuckling it. We're not, you know, we're not going to meetings and then going home miserable. We're actually recovered. And it says, and, and this, this is so important to me, this one line in the spiritual experience where it says, personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism. And that's exactly what's going on here. I'm changing so that I am able to do things that I wasn't able to do before in my unaided will. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Chrissy. And just to let you all know, the first paragraph was for context only, so if we could keep our focus on the second paragraph that was read, that would be great. So who would like to share? Charles H. from New York. Rachel Rachel W. Charles H. Melissa C. Melissa C. Okay, anybody else? I'm sorry. Elizabeth? Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Yes. What's your last initial? D. Okay. So I've got Charles H., Rachel M., Melissa C., Elizabeth D. Did I miss anybody? Deanna B. Somebody C. Jan, did you say? Deanna B. Oh, Deanna D or G? Or, or G? B like a boy. Yeah. Okay. Got it. All right, so we'll go with those. Charles H., Rachel M., Melissa C., Elizabeth D., Diane B. So, Charles, you are up. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Charles H., a recovered visionary just for today. Thank you, God, for waking me up from the cousin of death, which is sleep. Thank you so much. Um, And I so much enjoy this chapter. So, I'll, I mean, our, this paragraph, well, this chapter as well, but this paragraph in particular so our rule is not to avoid a place where there is drinking um, if we have a legitimate reason of being there. That includes bars, nightclubs, dances, receptions, weddings, even playing on whoopee parties. And um, I want to speak to some of that, some of, some of the, the, those two sentences, um, because um, before program. You know, I was a recording artist, and, and now I'm a recording artist for a different person, a different being, a supreme being, hallelujah. And, um, you know, I still uh, go to those places, but just not not, not, on, a, not on the scale that I did before. Um, I, I do have reasons to go to those places, but I, I don't frequent those places as often as I used to. But um, I'm not avoiding them. And like, like, for example... Um, 
you know, when I go shopping for food, because I think it's insane to um, work every day and, and to eat out. That's just like just saying, like, I don't want to have any money saved. So, you know, I don't avoid, you know, I don't avoid um, items. I don't avoid binge food. I don't avoid looking at them because, you know what, you can't shield, I can't shield myself from that because there's going to be a, uh, it says in the chat, paragraph before, it'll be a bigger explosion. So, you know what, I like what it says in the doctor's opinion um, that this, this thing, this deadly cycle, this allergy of the body is repeated time and time again unless a psychic change has, um, you know, took place in me. But it also tells me that, you know what, um, before program, I used to make firm resolutions instead of a decision. Today, thank you, God, for that one-man job, right, um, to make a, 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 a decision not to pick up and to be recovered by going by living in 10, 11, 12, and me, one. One, even though I don't talk about the food. I don't talk about it. I don't talk about the weight because the message through the 12 steps is depth and weight. Like I turn over my 10 steps, I turn over my food, and I stick to it. That's it. And, and you know what? I can go to a restaurant every night if I want because I'm going to plan my accident meal at that restaurant or take it. Time. Take it with me. Thank you very much. And, uh, yep, they go to bell. All right, Charles, thank you very much. Rachel M., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Rachel W., unless there was a Rachel M. that popped in there. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, no, it's Rachel W. I can't read my own writing. Go ahead. Not at all. Okay, no problem. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. Good morning, everyone. And, um, you know, focusing in here, I, I do recall that early early on in the days of, of trying to get my food down, I definitely did avoid a lot, you know, and I avoided bringing things into my home. Um, I avoided baking a certain things, and not to my family's expense. I mean, I I did um, other things, you know, for them, but I, I, I found that um, I did have to actually, you know, avoid certain things. But very soon, you know, I learned early on, um, My one of my first sponsors actually told me that the point of power is in the present moment, which means that every every time I make a choice, I'm in, I'm in control. I have power. The power that I have is in that choice. So, as I began, you know, working this program and working it through the steps, you know, bringing them into my life, um, I, I began knowing what to choose. So every time I would make the choice towards health and towards my abstinence, um, it it did empower me. And I and I I think it you know what it really comes down to in in any situation for me, um, and this is something that was asked to me last week is is, you know, how do you feel when you don't get your way? You know, what is it like when you don't get your way? And that's what it's like. It's like I, I heard someone say in a meeting that um, some, you know, addicts are kind of like um, babies in, in older faces, with older faces, you know, that, that what is it like to not get my way? You know, how do I deal with that agitation? And it used to be unbearable. It used to be really unbearable. And now, thank God, it's not. You know, I can pause. I can sit. I, I can go to parties. I can go to these, you know, places and celebrate people and being alive and just being being there you know but it was it took time and it was a process and it was something that that really I had to come to you know in in an understanding with you know connecting more with myself and with with God and my higher power that was a process um it didn't happen right away and um 
you know, I'll never forget. I'll just end, end up with this. I'll never forget that uh, uh, this time that I, I used to eat like a pint of of Hagen Dazs, right? And and I remember early in my abstinence as well. Like I bought it for my family, and I gave it to my family, and I watched seven people, you know, my husband and my kids, enjoying this pint. You know, everybody having some and enjoying it. And I thought to myself, that's what this program's about: is service to others. It's not about me having that whole thing, and it's not about what what I need. You know that you know in that moment it's not about what I need, but it's about what I'm needed for, and and how I can be of service to other people, and and that's what keeps me um, really in in balance. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Rachel. Melissa C, go ahead, please. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C, a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, so our rule is not to avoid a place where there's drinking, if we have legitimate reason for being there. Um, I don't shy away from parties and weddings and any events where I have good reason for being there. Um, you know, because I have spent so much of my time living in isolation that my recovery is not about continuing that type of life. You know, when I was in the food, I ate and I hid. Um, and I don't want to live that way anymore, you know. And, and in reality, you know, there's no social event um, that was really the cause. You know, avoiding social events is, is believing that that was the cause of my addiction. And, you know, the reality is most of my eating was always done uh, when I was alone. I binged primarily at night after my family went to bed, after an event, while I was in the car alone. Um, and those events... I can't avoid. That's, you know, it would be impossible for me. But I don't go purposely to places that I have no business being there. And so, you know, I do have to ask myself, do I have a legitimate reason to be someplace? And, um, and, and when I think about what's legitimate, it's to be with people, to connect with other human beings. Um, if I'm thinking more about the food that's going to be at the event than the friends that will be there, then I know I'm best to stay away. Um, you know, and that being said, I have a healthy respect um, for my disease. And so I, I go out to dinner. I do go out to restaurants. But, you know, I have to, um, I do have to protect myself. So I don't go to buffets because I have no business in a buffet. Um, and, um, and I go to restaurants where I know that I have safe choices. And, you know, for myself, I make my choice before I get to the restaurant. I don't look through that menu like other people because, you know, what is the point? It, it just it describes food at length, and I have no business reading, you know, great descriptions of food. Um, you know, so the more I, I look at my recovery, what, why do I have recovery for? It's so that I can be of use to other people, so that I can connect with the people around me. And so I can't hide in the house. You know, hiding in the house, being thin, what does that mean? That's nothing. Um, you know, so I'm glad I know that today. I, I'm glad that I respect my disease enough to know where I belong and where I don't belong. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Perfect timing. Great. Elizabeth D., please go ahead. Press I'm sorry. Oh, there yes. we go. Um, I'm Elizabeth D., um, and I'm grateful to be on the line, and I'm profoundly grateful for a vision for you. Um, 
this is my first time sharing. Um, I um, am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Um, Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank thank you. Um, I... um, I'm so um I I am work I am in ten, eleven and twelve and it amazes me and it also amazes me that um apropos this paragraph that I'm on on vacation with my daughter and we're at a camp in New Hampshire and we go every year. Um and um last night um she and I, because she wanted to, went to the campfire. And at the campfire is um, served, you know, those that those campfire sweets that we all know so well. Um, last year, exactly this time last year, I was trying to get abstinent, and I wasn't able to go to the s'mores festival at the campfire because I was too close to the food and um, I just was was completely unable to face it. This year, um, having worked the steps, um, read the 100, first 163 pages with a sponsor and a vision for you, I went to that um, event, and the, 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 the food did not call me. I had a legitimate reason for being there, and it certainly was a whoopee party. <laughs> um, I, and I really felt, that I wasn't tempting providence. I was safe and protected. I was lifted to a plane of neutrality around the food. And that is really only because I fully, for the first time in my recovery, 25 years of, of being in the rooms, fully and utterly prostrated myself to the ideas contained in the doctor's opinion about the nature of my illness, which is progressive. And in my case, um, the teacher arrived when the student was ready, and um, I have had a a spiritual, I've had a spiritual um, awakening, not experience, I've had an awakening, and I am connected with my higher power today in a way that allows me to um, approach food with neutrality for the most part. And I'm, I, can't, I can't believe it's not, for me, you know, being in the thin body is, is a bonus. But for me, it is so much more about the peace in my head and my ability to live much more, more fully in the moment um, with people around me and to be of service. And I'm with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Elizabeth. Go ahead, Diane B. Thank you. And thank you for your service. My name is Deanna B. Uh, from Chicago. Um, a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader for today. And for me, the key, two keys. It doesn't say it, but today, what I just said, today. I'm spiritually fit today, and it is a daily program. It's something that I don't believe that I got for so long, even in my other program. 
And, of course, in italics it says, if we have a legitimate reason for being there. Well, I consider myself a, a, a recovered, also a fast food junkie. And if I don't have a reason to go into a fast food place, I don't go. Uh, if 12 people are going, as uh, happened uh, in an OA meeting I went to in Wisconsin, everybody goes to Wendy's. I brought, they bring their lunch, I brought my lunch. Um, and go for the, uh, you know, the fellowship. Um, when I was on traveling, if I can get a salad, I know what, I can look online nowadays with modern times, I can find a menu online. I do that. I would not go to this one pizza place that I know because they don't serve anything else. Yes, I could bring my lunch. I choose not to go. When I stopped smoking 21 years ago, it was maybe two months and uh, a bunch of people were going out to dinner uh, after uh, it was awake. I did not go because I did not feel safe. I did not feel spiritually fit. Uh, It was important for me not to be around smoking. At that time, we could do that in restaurants. Uh, So I didn't go, you know. And that's my rule of thumb today is if I have a legitimate reason for being there, I'm there. You know, bars, nightclubs, I was never one to hang out in bars and nightclubs, but I certainly hung out in uh, fast food places and pizza place, you know, just all those places. And until I was became allergic to ice cream, you know, where I wound up in the hospital, you know, I wouldn't think of going into, there is a place, Oberweiss here in the area. They serve ice cream. Why would I be there if I have a legitimate reason? So that's, you know, I thank you. And thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Diane B. So we're going to open up for a few more shares on this paragraph before we move on. Who would like to share? Nessa. Monica. Nessa. Monica. Vasa. Oh. Vasa. I think we'll go with those three. Katie. Nessa, go ahead. All right, we're just going to add Katie on there, and then we'll hold with that. So, Nessa, go ahead, please. Oh, Nessa, Monica, Vasa, and then Katie. So go ahead, Nessa. Thank you. My name is Nessa R. and recovered in Toronto, Canada. And, um, you know, the truth is that as a compulsive overeater, temptation is everywhere. Um, Even just walking down the street, you know, smelling the aromas of, you know, different shops and restaurants and joints, um, you know, there is temptation just, just by that. So, Obviously, we cannot become recluses and uh, and just hide in our houses so that we don't smell tempting aromas. But the truth also is that temptation can come from the most unexpected places because you know that that's who we are. And I had an experience a few months ago. Um, I um, um, I picked up my daughter from school, and she came out. Um, with this baked good that looked and smelled incredible. I picked her up from school. I'm like, why are baked goods going there? Her teacher had brought them, 
as a treat. But uh, the difference between um, an active compulsive overeater, inactive addiction versus a compulsive overeater um, in recovery is the ability to differentiate the true from the false. And, you know, she came into the car, the thing is smelling delicious, and I'm looking at how she's eating it and savoring every bite. And my mind starts to think, oh, would it be so nice to have one of those? But then recovery kicks in, and the ability to differentiate the truth from the false kicked in with it. And I thought, yeah, it would be nice if I could have just one. But I know that I won't be able to have just one. I would have to go to the bakery and buy a dozen more. And after I'm totally nauseated from all the sugar, I'd have to go to the supermarket and get a case of potato chips. And then when I'm sick of those, I'd have to go to the bakery again, and on and on and on and on and on until I'm literally sick to my stomach or passed out from a humongous binge. And so, of course, it would be nice to have one of those, but I cannot have just one of those. And it ended there. And that is the beauty of recovery, the beauty of, of having worked the steps, um, being in conscious contact with my creator every step of the way that when I least expect it, and I guess I'm, I'm prepared to deal with temptation because who expects temptation going um, on a carpool run? Um, that's what the 12 steps give me. It gives me that protection to avoid temptation when I'm least expecting it. And I am so grateful for that. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa. Monica, you are up. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. This, well, my name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. So here we are in the chapter, working with others, dealing with step 12, and with the implication that I have worked steps 1 through 12 here. And so they're saying to us who have been through the process, so our rule is not to avoid a place where there is drinking. And then there's the, the squiggly important writing, if we have a legitimate reason for being there. And so I was told, you know, Monica, what are your motives? When, uh, when I first, you know, before the program, when I was into, into food, my legitimate reason for going to a wedding was for the wedding cake. That was it, you know. Compulsive overeater here, that was my legitimate reason. Today, that's not because I have worked through these steps, and some of our promises on page 85 with step 10 is that we are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We haven't even sworn off. It's been removed if we stay in fit spiritual condition. So um, today... I can go to, uh, I've been on cruises, I've done a number of things, I can go to weddings today because God has helped me change. You know, I've had a spiritual awakening. It's not about the food anymore. Um, but, you know, legitimate reason. I, I still need to check my motives. And Monica, like someone else was saying earlier, I still need to make sure that I look at menus before I go into a restaurant I haven't been before, that I have a plan before I walk into there. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Vasa. Vasa. Oh, I think. Right? Go ahead, Vasa. Thank you. Good morning. Oh, I'm sorry, Katie. Yeah, I got you, Katie, next. You're next up. 
Vasa, now? Yes, go ahead, Vasa. You're up. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa O, Recover Compulsive Overeater, calling from Massachusetts. Thank you for your service. And before I came to the program, I had no willpower. I had I could not resist the food. As a matter of fact, I looked for places that I could go and eat, you know. So coming in the program and finding a power greater than myself and working through the steps, there was a and there was a change in my thinking. There was change in my at, attitude gradually. But at the beginning of my program, you know, I became abstinent and uh, I tried to avoid many places because they, it was a trigger for me, you know. Even in the grocery stores, I wouldn't go through the where the bakery store was. You know, I wouldn't go near it. I wouldn't go through certain aisles. I wouldn't bring stuff at home. You know, I wouldn't bake because I used to love to bake and, and cook. You know, and then gradually, little by little, you know, I just felt like you know, okay, this is my disease. It's not my husband's disease. It's not my kid's disease. It's you know. I need to be protected, and I needed a higher power to help me with this, uh, this protection. So, and then I came to a point, I graduated from there, you know, like I, I, don't, I didn't have to avoid places anymore. Gradually, you know, I started getting the strength from God, and, and the power came from there. I started, I could go gradually, little by little, different places, go to weddings, go to parties, and go to christenings and and cookouts, and I just would prepare, plan and prepare my food. A lot of times I'd bring it. A lot of times I would ask, you know, what they were going to serve. And my kids have been so, so good. They understand what I do. And a lot of times when we have gatherings with them, like if it's their houses, they would always ask me, you know, what would I like, or they would tell me what they, they're cooking. And they've been very, very respectful, you know, of my addiction to food. Um, so today I can go pretty much anywhere in any place, but I just have to be mindful and um, and and just Again, I have to be mindful of what I'm doing with the food and be conscious, you know, consciously what I'm doing with the food. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. KDG, you are up. Hey, Amy, can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Awesome. Sorry about that. KDG, recovered compulsive overeater for today. Yay, Wednesday morning, after and sober. Thank God's loving grace. And, um, couple things, you know, I mean, when I first came into the rooms, I hid a very, like, I, I just needed to hide um, in some ways from life. Like, I needed to protect myself. I needed to insulate myself because I was just in a lot of fear, right? And I was um, depending on false gods. I was depending on people um, and, and thinking that if I just followed their program and, you know, converted to their religion, then I would get my stuff and I would be happy, right? And the thing is, what's so critical about understanding this paragraph for me is, like, even in isolation of my house, I could get that thought, right? I could get that thought that eating is a step up from my thinking. Remember, guys, this is my physical allergy and my mental obsession. So even if I'm at home, 
I could get that God that eating is a step up and I could be back in the food, you know? And um, so, but I'm also like not an idiot, right? Like if I were a heroin addict, I wouldn't need to prove to anyone, hey, look, I can play with heroin, you know, and I'm in a um, long-term relationship and I, we have food in the house. It's not my food. And um, I go out to um, bars. I go to beaches. I hang out with people. I live life. It's awesome. But I also know that I, there are times that I'll have a food thought and I'll be like, all right, Katie, check in. What's going on? Like I go into the bathroom. I get on my knees. I make a phone call. I need to check in and say, okay, well, do I need to go home and go to bed? Am I pushing myself too much? Because, you know, frankly, I have different levels of energy than my boyfriend and then and, and his friends who are able to drink the night away or, or eat the night away or whatever. Um, but it's not that I'm able to go there provided I have a legitimate reason, you know, socializing, showing up, as everybody has so beautifully talked about. And that I don't – this isn't about um, – you know, proving anything or hiding anything that I can go and I can say, you know, I I have food allergies and, you know, this is just what I do. And there's nothing to be ashamed of, you know. Um, And there's there's such freedom because at my core, I am like a fear-based little girl. You know, I'm a fear-based little girl and I don't want to play. I'm scared you're going to reject me. And if I didn't smell you're going to reject me, I'm taking my Barbies and going home. And so, like, I love that this encourages me to protect my lifeline, um, which is my relationship with God, which the only way I can get to God is if I'm abstinent and working the steps, um, and also encourages me to, to live on, you know, my growing edge. And, guys, when I go places, what do I do? I think about how God wants me to be of service. Who can I help? What is my purpose in going? It's actually not going to meet all KDG's needs. You know, like I'm not going so that I feel happy and elated all the time. This isn't, you know, get Katie happy and elated all the time anonymous. This is OA, right? And um, I'm just grateful for a solution today, you know, um, and my death has been interrupted and I have to remember I have a disease that wants me dead and will settle for me eating. So I have to be living in 10, 11, and 12 each and every day. And then I, you know, I can live on the firing lines of life. Thank you, God, for that I passed. Thank you, Katie. Okay, we are now going to move on to the next paragraph. And Chelsea, could you go ahead, please? Okay, thank you for your service, um, Amy. Chelsea H., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. You will note that we made an important qualification. Therefore, ask yourself on each occasion, have I any good social, business, or personal reason for going to this place? Or am I expecting to steal a little vicarious pleasure from the atmosphere of such places? If you answer these questions satisfactorily, you need not have no apprehension. Go or stay away, whichever seems best. But be sure you're on solid spiritual ground before you start and that your motive in going is thoroughly good. Do not think of what you will get out of the occasion. Think of what you can bring to it. But if you are shaky, you had better work with another alcoholic instead. Okay. So these instructions here are really going back to the original assumption, assuming we are spiritually fit. And the other conditions, it's talking about all these qualifying things that need to be in place before I go dashing out somewhere um, under my own steam and then end up in trouble again, if, and if not worse, back in the food. 
So it's saying that to me, the instructions here say that if I have to ask myself this, to ask myself, have I any good social business or personal reason? If I can say check, I do, then okay, that's good. And then the other thing is to look and see what are my motives. Am I trying to go just so I can hang around the food and smell it and everything? Or am I going because I want to um, try to test myself or some other nonsense that I might try to do under my own steam? The questions that I have to be able to answer satisfactorily. If I could say check, I'm not doing that. For example, I, we just had a huge family reunion, and we had committees. Now, normally, I would dash for that food committee because they would be with the kind of family reunions we have. There was goo gobs of food. So um, I would dash for that committee. But instead, I, I gave service to the family on, on the technical thing because I'm technical savvy. So I was able to do that and really be present to be a part of it, not try to usher everybody's committee and determine who should be doing what. I had a good reason to go to the family reunion and not be on any kind of shaky ground or anything. And I went without apprehension. I didn't have to do a whole lot of planning and everything. It just flowed with the rest of my life because my spiritual fitness was in order, and I was able to check off these things, so I was able to go in peace. So the instructions were really clear. If I'm going to go, then I need to make sure these things are in check, be sure I'm on spiritual ground, think about what I can bring to the event instead of what I'm going to get. Never done that before that I can even remember. Even, I mean, even when I got sober, because I was eating my way after I got sober through many, many things. But it says here that if I can't do any of these things, work with another alcoholic instead, exclamation point. So we've had um, italics, which is emphasis added about the legitimate reason. All these conditions, if they can be met, I can go ahead on and do whatever I need to do and flow with life because it's not going to be a big deal because I will be spiritually fit. So thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Chelsea. Who else would like to share on this paragraph, please? Reva P. Larry. Reva P. I heard uh, Reva. I heard Katie F. I heard Larry K. Who else did I miss? Ronnie. Katie Ronnie. Leanne. I heard, is it Ronnie, Ronnie or Lonnie? Ronnie P. Ronnie P. and Judy F. Let's see if we can get through everybody here on that. Uh, Reva, what's your last initial, please? P. P? Okay. Yes. All right, so we're going to go with Reva P., Katie F., Larry K., Ronnie P., and Judy F. Okay, so mind your time, and we should be able to get folks in. All right, Reva P., go ahead. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. I have been uh, guided to look at this paragraph many times um, when I was facing a question about whether I should go somewhere or not. And what I'd like to talk about right now is um, think about what I can bring versus what I'm going to get out. Um, as already has been shared, you know, this is about working with others, and here we are, not so much talking about uh, necessarily sponsees, but being with others in the world, um, other people, and getting back into the stream of life um, now that I've worked through the steps. Um, so yes, I definitely, definitely need to plan about the food before I go somewhere and know, 
you know, if there's something um, that's peaceful for me to eat. But I think the overarching guideline for me um, here is about getting out of self and being God-directed versus self-directed, um, which is the ultimate um, you know, end of the 12 steps, getting back into life and being with others. And when I first read, you know, think about what I can contribute versus what I'm going to get out of it, that was such a revelation. So when I think about that, you know, what is, what is um, getting something out of an occasion? You know, even in abstinence, I can get so caught up with how do I look, how am I dressed, um, start comparing myself to other people at an event, um, if it's a work event, um, am I doing a good job? What do they think of me? That's not recovery, even in abstinence. Recovery is what it says here. Why am I there? What is God's purpose for me being there? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be at that event? Um, and be open and ask and then listen to God's directions. Um, and that is such a different way of living, and it's so much less pressure, um, and it's so much less um, anxiety-provoking um, to think about, you know, what am I contributing? And there have been so many miracles and so many awesome moments connecting with people, whether they're in or out of program, when I go with that uh, frame of mind. And I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to live totally different than I did before. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Reva. Uh, was it Katie F? Maybe I heard that wrong. Okay, I tell you what, we're going to move ahead to Larry K. Larry K, go ahead, please. Amy, thanks so much. Uh, Larry K, Recover Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Um, okay, so, you know, I'll just drill down to... Um, you know, but be sure you're on solid spiritual ground before you start. I mean, how do I know? You know, I couldn't trust my thinking before. That was part of the part of the problems. Um, you know, um, and, and today, um, by the grace of God, as a result of, you know, of, of immersion in this practical program of action, seeing it through from the beginning to to the end, I can trust my thinking today. Because my thinking is centered, I moved from a, a self-centered existence where I was on my own, you know, with all my thoughts, you know, always wondering, you know, um, and I've moved to a God-centered existence where God is the, the, the center point of my life today, my higher power. That, that's how, where I can be sure I'm on spirit, solid spiritual ground because I've been through this process and, you know, um, on page 50 in We Agnostics, I love where it says, in the face of collapse and despair, that's where I was, in the face of total failure of their human resources, they found that a, that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. But it says this happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. And those requirements are the steps found in the first 164 pages of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Flat out, that's been my experience. If you find something different that's enabled you to feel that you're on firm spiritual ground, that's wonderful. It's just not been my experience. 
And, you know, the first 100 had that same experience. And anybody on the line today that knows that they're on solid spiritual ground, they know what I'm talking about. They don't feel cocky. They know they didn't do it for themselves. They are st- they're here. What in the world do they need to be here for if, if they did it, if they've got this beat? But they know somehow that they're on solid spiritual ground because they've been, they've subjected themselves finally for many of us, finally, to the full 12 steps which revolutionized and changed them and brought them, you know, to a, a place of restoration, restored to sanity. And that's how I know that I'm on solid spiritual ground and I can, I can you know, I can go anywhere, um, you know, and I don't have to live vicariously and I can, you know, think of what I can bring to, you know, if I'm, if I'm going somewhere, if I'm going to a wedding or I'm going to a, a family function, what can I bring there? Um, it's so beautiful. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Ronnie, Ronnie P., you are up. Okay, thank you. Um, good morning, everybody. Ronnie P. from Pennsylvania. Um, these last two paragraphs are exactly what separates Um, 12-step recovery from food stuff, from Weight Watchers, Diet Center, um, any other place that deals only with, you know, volume and consumption. Um, I've been on all of those programs. I always lost weight, and I always went out to places and uh, where I should have been able to go, um, having lost weight and learned things, but I could never maintain it because what I was always missing was the third leg of the stool was fit spiritual condition. So these two paragraphs in a nutshell, uh, if people ever ask me, well, what's, what's the difference between Weight Watchers and whatever? And I always say, well, you know, if you want to do Weight Watchers, if that works for your allergies, you work that out, that's fine, but you won't be able to stay stopped. Um, if, I mean, if you're a compulsive overeater, you won't be able to stay stopped unless you um, embrace the spiritual necessity of 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 this recovery program and it's so simple um i was always on diets um and i could never stay stopped and it was because i did not know what to do i was not in fit spiritual condition and that is really the key sorry it's my dog um and that's that's really the key uh to all of it and that's it in a nutshell and um so uh, God bless, as Larry said, God bless Alcoholics Anonymous. Let me take care of this dog. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Ronnie. Judy F., you are up. Good morning, Amy. Can I be heard? Yes, we can hear you loud and clear. Go ahead, please. Wonderful. Thank you for your service, Amy. Good morning, visionaries. Judy F., food addict, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. And... This uh, paragraph, it's very important to me because it really, in a nutshell, gives me continual directions on how to live my life uh, today. This month, it'll, my anniversary date is at the end of the month of 24 years of abstinence and recovery. And, uh, and I'm, I'm working my program probably harder than I did even um, in, in that spiritual ground to um, keep growing in the solid spiritual ground. 
and I think in the summertime I, I have some time off and my husband likes to travel and we also like to have people visit at our Cape Cod house and right now I have my niece and nephews and we're doing a lot of stuff and, and they like a lot of uh, fried stuff and ice cream and all this and yesterday we were at Martha's Vineyard and I brought my way to measured lunch and they were able to get what they wanted and it just wasn't about the food it was really I was so thrilled there were fun things they did and I could just really enjoy that and be of service to say you know this is about them not me and this program is other-centered God-centered not self-centered Judy-centered which is so different on how I was before I came in and, and just surrendered because of the misery of this disease. And, you know, I'm thinking all this week as I have them, like, how can I bring them so that they know they are loved and we can have fun and, and what they want to do. And some of the things um, I more want to be secure and not put forth a lot of energy. And, you know, God is calling me to different things. And in the past 24 years, he's called me to different things. I, I work with teenagers, and one of the things I do is help with fundraisers, and I've gone to buy, uh, what, I think like 80 dozen of donuts, and um, we have candy drives and that sort of thing. And it, it still amazes me, the neutrality. It's just not about that. It's about the job that needs to be done and, and it's about principles and living the principles of tolerance, compassion, patience. And, um, and it's just an awesome life. It's, an awesome, it's a life of freedom. Freedom first from I was such as enslaved by the food, enslaved by my mind, uh, wanting things my way and thinking if I get what I want, I'll be happy. And now I see... I don't know what I want for it and I don't know what I need and I just keep going to God. So part of all this busyness this summer is in the morning I take my, I get up earlier than anyone and I take my time with my higher power. Um, I continue with my sponsee calls. I continue with my sponsor calls. I continue with working 10, 11 and 12 and daily. And I need it daily, just like I need water, sun and food daily. I need my spiritual conditioning daily. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Well, we have one minute left here. Um, Renata? Renata, if you can give me one minute or so, please feel free. I'll be you like? Thanks. <laughs> Would you like Thanks to go ahead, me. Renata? Go ahead. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. Uh, this paragraph reminds me that I'm not cured, you know, that what I have is a daily reprieve contingent in my spiritual condition. So, you know, even after I've worked all 12 steps and I'm recovered and, you know, food's not calling, food's not a problem, I'm reminded that it depends on my fit spiritual condition. If I walk around with resentments, if I don't do my step 10s, if I don't work on my step 11, you know, I am not safe. And so, um, you know, because I don't have the power to stay away from the food, even after, you know, becoming recovered. Well, what I have is access to the power. And so if I'm not in fit spiritual condition, I am blocked off from that power. And so I have to be reminded of that 
that there are certain things I need to do every day to continue to have access to the power. It's at a past thing. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Renata. We're going to wrap things up today. Thank you, everyone, for an awesome meeting. I'd like to thank everyone who has shared. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Would um, Judy, Judy F., would you please close us out? Hello again, Amy. Uh, Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.